In 2009, Sister Julie B. Beck, who was the Relief Society General President at the time, said, We know from our studies here at church headquarters concerning the rising generation that our youth are increasingly less confident in the institution of families. They are less confident in their ability to form a successful family. They also distrust their own moral strength and the moral strength of their peers. Because temptations are so fierce, they aren't sure they can be successful in keeping covenants. If you're someone who has felt those concerns, you may have asked a question similar to the one we will be discussing today. How can I raise my future family in the gospel despite the world becoming more wicked? Thank you for joining me today on Answers with Amy as we look for ways we can act in faith and better see the Lord's hand in the formation of families. As we start talking about the answer to this question, about how we can raise righteous families, there's one thing that is more important than anything else we can talk about, and that is the doctrine of agency. Agency is, of course, the power that we have to choose without anybody forcing us. Heavenly Father is very respectful of our agency. He teaches us about our choices, and He teaches us about the consequences that come with certain choices, but He never forces us to choose His plan or to choose to follow Him. Though here on Morta- in, on earth, there are times that people may force our behavior or force what we say, nobody can force us to believe in Jesus Christ or, or take away our testimony. It's up to us. This is really important in parenting because what that tells us is there's nothing we can do to force our children to believe in Jesus Christ. Or in other words, there are no guaranteed results that your children are going to become who you want them to become. That's a little unsettling because we like guaranteed results. So we focus our our efforts and our energy where it will make the most difference, which is not enforcing behavior. It's going to be in teaching principles and in building relationships. So please respect the agency of your family and your children and the people around you. People do not like to have their agency violated. In fact, social scientists have discovered what they call the reactive theory. And that means when someone tries to force us to engage in a behavior, even though the behavior is consistent with our attitudes, we are likely to resist and may even change our attitudes. So if we force people, we will get worse results than if we allow them space to choose. So we want to parent in a way that creates an environment that allows people to choose the gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot force them to. We have to help them choose it. We're going to talk about a different, a couple different things that we can do to create that agency-respecting environment. And even though I'm going to talk about these things in a parent-child relationship— these can apply to any of the relationships in our lives with our parents, our siblings, our, our uh, spouses, our roommates. Everybody likes to be treated with respect and with agency. And so any relationship is going to be improved when we improve or respect the agency of, of the people around us. The first thing I want to talk about is how we build relationships with people and not behaviors. This may be brand new information, so hold, hold your horses, but uh, people are different. I know, shocking. People are different and they're going to react differently in different environments, but that is not an indication of their worth. So the Child Development Institute has said that personality is determined by the interaction of temperament traits with the environment. 
What this means is that you might have a child who thrives in the environment of primary. They love to go. They love to sing. They sit quietly. They answer questions with a raised hand, and they just have a great time. You may have another child who does not thrive in the environment of primary. They come out of primary with their shirt inside out, with gum they got from the bottom of the chair, and they spent the whole time poking their friend. That does not mean that one has a stronger testimony of Jesus Christ than the other, or that one child is destined for a life of crime while the other child is going to become a general authority. What this means is that one child thrives in the environment of primary and the other child does not. This is not an excuse for us to let our children do whatever they want, but it does help us know how we can teach our children most effectively. One child might thrive in a kind of a traditional lesson setting where, you know, like what we see in the church videos where the family all comes together and you sing a hymn and you read some scriptures and then everyone's just enlightened and uplifted. Another child might not thrive in that environment and will do better if you take them running or biking or you go hiking with them or you garden or they play soccer and you use that activity that you've done together as a gospel analogy to teach them doctrines and principles. So we need to build relationships with people and not behaviors. Just because one child thrives in an environment and another doesn't is not an indication of their testimony and it is certainly not an indication of their worth. So please build relationships with people and not behaviors. The next thing I want to talk about how is how anger is not needed for disagreement. I guarantee that your children are at some point going to choose something that you don't like. If you've done your best to educate them about that choice, chances are they already know that you don't like that choice. Uh, we don't need to express anger. All anger does is it breaks down relationships. When you react to somebody in an angry way, it does not encourage them to choose what you want them to choose. It says to them, you can't trust me to come to me for help because I'm just going to get mad at you. Instead, when, when a child makes a choice that we don't agree with, we need to react with understanding. Ask questions. Get some context for this choice that they made. Uh, ask questions about their motivations. If you, if, you, if you want to use the opportunity, you can even say things like, hey, when you made this decision, did you consider this? And I'm not saying, did you consider this? I mean, ask, did you consider this? Because how did that play into your decision? This is a chance for us to learn from our children. This is a chance for us to learn more about them. We can teach them later. In that moment, we are trying to understand them. They already know that we don't like the choice that they made. So anger is not needed for disagreement. And I don't know what it is that makes us think that if we don't react in an angry way, they'll think we agree with them. I mean, social media is full of interactions like this where we, where we can see that people think that if they're not angry or they're not contentious, we might mistake their comment for agreement. It's, it's not true. We can disagree with people very lovingly and very kindly. And that's the kind of ways we want to interact with our children and not with anger. In fact, in the Joseph Smith translation of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, uh, Paul asks the question, can ye be angry and not sin? And I want to be careful when I say this because I'm, I'm not saying that every time you feel anger, it's a sin. It's, it's, it's a natural reaction. 
we all feel angry at times. Uh, anger is a place of information. We learn a lot about ourselves when we feel angry. If we evaluate our motives, if we look at the reasons why this the situation created a, a response in us, we can learn a lot about ourselves. So when I say, can you be angry? Or when I ask the question, can you be angry and not sin? I'm not saying that every time you feel anger, you are a, sin, a sinner. What I am saying is that we should never act in anger. Use it as a, a, a time to evaluate our motives and our situation and our thinking to, to grow and improve. And we should certainly never act in anger when it comes to parenting with our children. The next principle I want to talk about is how important it is to be humble and teachable. If we think we know everything and we don't adapt our parenting to each child and to to the way they're growing and becoming stronger and more individual, we will not be effective parents. We will be prideful parents, but we will not be effective parents. Each child uh, is is going to be different and go through different experiences. And they're going to face things that we likely didn't ever, ever face when we were their age. Just because they are the child and we are the parent, it does not mean that we have to always be the expert. And it doesn't mean that we automatically know how they should handle the situation. It is okay for us as parents to say, I don't know what to do here either. Let's find an answer together. Um, it's okay for us as parents to say, you know what? I made a mistake there. I've since I talked to you last, I learned this and I think that you know, I want I want you to know this because I think it might change the way you see this situation. We need to be humble and teachable. We do not have to be experts just because we're parents. Additionally, children change. The things that we did when they were 2 and could get away with might not work when they're 12. We need to grow and adapt. We need to be humble. We need to be teachable. <laughs> I, I can't say it enough. Please be humble. Be willing to continue to learn. Be willing to accept that the way you were raised might not be the way you want to raise your children. Be willing to read books. Uh, read parenting books. Read the scriptures. Learn secularly and spiritually together. Uh, your best results are going to come when you're using all the information available to you and seeking revelation about uh, to discern truth from error. Continue to learn about parenting. You will never become an expert. And just when you know that, you're going to be a better parent. The last thing I really want to highlight is that we need to trust in the Lord. And these are his children. He is trusting spirits to our families. And it is a privilege for us to have Heavenly Father's children entrusted to our care. There is a lot to teach them. And sometimes it feels so overwhelming and we make mistakes. We're not perfect, but Heavenly Father is, is watching over us. He, they are His children. We need to do our part. We need to act. We can't be passive in our trust. We have to be active. But the Lord is watching out for our children, for our families, for our communities, because He cares about us. So just know that if your child makes decisions that are not what you want and chooses a lifestyle that seems to pull them away from your family for a time, know that the Lord understands. He sees what's happening and he's already prepared a way for them to return. It is scary to raise children. 
I understand why this is such a big fear. I still have a lot of fear about my children, uh, how they're going to grow up, what they're going to be like. Are they going to manage to ever find their shoes without help? I mean, it's going to take a miracle. But just have faith. Have faith that the Lord has created a plan that is, is good for all of us. So again, the things that we talked about are to respect agency, to build relationships with people and not behaviors. Anger is not needed for disagreement to be humble, and to trust in the Lord. I hope that you will take the things we talked about in this episode and seek personal revelation. Information plus inspiration leads to the most effective results. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating or review and share it with others. You can always contact me on Instagram at Answers with Amy. Thanks for joining me and see you next time.